Here are the top three items on the board for today's Cigar Dave Show. Number one, the ultimate social media experience. Number two, free at last, free at last. Thank the Lord we're free at last from mass mandates. Or are we? And an interesting new concept cigar from La Flor Dominicana. The Cigar Dave Show is presented by Davidoff of Geneva and their Avo portfolio of cigars, including the Avo Heritage, crafted through centuries of traditions. Avo Heritage was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar with strength, complexity, and impeccable smoothness. Savor every note of the spice-laden Avo Heritage, available at DavidoffGeneva.com and by Gurkha. The world's finest cigars, including the new Gurkha Revenant, the five-country fusion of exceptionally aged tobaccos will immediately jumpstart your senses for a cigar journey that only Gurkha may deliver, offered in both Corojo and Maduro presentations. Fire up a new Gurkha Revenant today. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. This is the Cigar Dave Show with the General. Well, I experienced really what I consider the ultimate in social media one-on-one conversation. We always talk about social media, everybody on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, but when you have face-to-face social media interface, that tops everything. And I'll tell you about that in just a moment. But first, as always... I extend to you my long-ash greetings and salutations, a long-ash snappy salute, Semper Delictatio. Always pleasure, long live the alpha, make masculinity great again, screw the enemies of pleasure, screw the mask mandates, we want freedom. It is your global five-star general and alpha male-in-chief, front and center from Command Center Alpha Humidor 1A in the Cigar City of Tampa, Florida, USA. Cigar Dave reporting for duty as we do each and every week. Now, I always talk about you cannot beat the in-person interaction with two, three, four, five people who enjoy cigars, who are alphas, enjoying spirits together, dining together, breaking bread together. You just can't beat the one-on-one experience. Now, we always hear about people saying, oh, I've got 4,000 friends on Facebook, and I've got you know, 58,000 Twitter followers, and I've got 5,000 followers on Instagram. I always use the analogy to people that tell me, they say, well, how many uh, friends, Facebook friends, do you have in your personal Facebook account? And I think I've got maybe 65, maybe, maybe less. And they look at me and say, what? So few? I've got 4,000, or I've got 2,800, or I've got 3,700. And my answer to them is, The people that are actually Facebook friends are actual acquaintances, friends, people that I actually know. I get requests all the time from individuals that I may briefly know in passing, that I'm not friendly with, that I've met maybe once or twice. I'm not going to let them in on all the details of my personal life. It is amazing to me how many people just open their entire lives on Facebook to people they really don't even know. So I tell the, I use the analogy, and you can use the same analogy. One person said he's got almost 5,000 Facebook friends. 
And I looked at him and I said, let me ask you this question. God forbid something happens to you. You end up in the hospital or in a, some situation when you need friends by your side. How many of those 5,000 friends do you think will be at your bedside if you're in the hospital or come to your aid when you are in a tough bind, a tough situation? And he thought about it and said, gee, I, I don't know. I said, well, do you think it's 100? He said, no, probably not. 50? Probably not. And I said, the reality is you can count probably on one hand the number of friends that are Facebook friends with you, who are really your friends, truly friends, not bullshit fantasy Facebook friends, who will be there when the shit hits the fan. If you're in trouble, if you need assistance, if you need a friend. And it amazes me how many people in this world, in this country, people that we all know, and I'm sure you know many of them, who confuse fantasy Facebook friends with real friends. I can tell you that amongst my Facebook friends, there are probably, same thing, five. Even though I'm friendly with many of them, acquaintances, but there are probably five that when, if something would happen, boom, they would be at your side. And I'm sure there are people that I am friends with in person and also a Facebook friend that would count me in that five if something happened to them. So never confuse the fantasy Facebook friends with real friends. So social media, we p hear people, oh, I've, I've interacted on social media and, and I've commented on this. I'm sorry. The real social media experience to me is when you are in person with real friends, real acquaintances, when you have a chance to catch up, you have real conversation, not bullshit endless texts, not endless emails, not occasional calls, but you are looking face-to-face, eye-to-eye at your friend or friends. You are partaking in great cigars, great spirits, great conversational maneuvers, great dining experiences or throwing steaks on the grill or putting something on your smoker, enjoying great delicacies without looking at your phone every two seconds, without looking at your phone to respond to an email, where basically you are sitting one-on-one -on -one or one with three or four or five or even ten, essentially undivided attention to friends, acquaintances in a real live social setting. How many times have you said to yourself, I need to get together with this person. It's been way too long. Or, you know, I really need to get together with some friends just for a guy's night out or maybe an alpha night out or maybe with some hot dames, maybe you and a member of your harem or your entire harem with several other friends just to get together in a social atmosphere. Not in a... As, as, as Mark Fuckerberg, as I like to call him, Fuckzuck, in his fantasy meta-universe. I mean, when I saw that meta thing where people, hi, I'm Mark, and I'm in the meta-universe, that's fantasy, man. That is, that is the biggest joke where people say, oh, I'm going to interact in the metaverse. 
and I'm going to, I, I can actually uh, interact with other people in the metaverse. Translation, those are for geeks that can't socialize. Look at Mark Zuckerberg. Does he look like he's socially awkward? Damn right. So if he wants to play pretend and fairy tale fantasy in my mind with his stupid metaverse, have at it. But alphas like you and me, we want to interact in person. And let's face it, because of the Wuhan virus, thanks, by the way, communist China for unleashing that bioweapon on the rest of the world, you dumb bastards. Well, they're not dumb. They play smart. But they're evil bastards. Let me correct myself. The Chinese Communist Party, Xi Jinping, all those other commie bastards, they are evil. And for umpteen years now, for several years, people have backed away. They've shied away from socializing. They've shied away from traveling. We're seeing an explosion now in travel demand. Why? When you coop people up, they want to get out. Same thing happens when you are socializing. And as alphas, we want to socialize. We don't do it in a fairy tale metaverse. We do it one-on-one. -on -one. We pick up the phone, hey, we need to get together. And let me give you a perfect case in point that took place on Tuesday of this week with my very good friend, Captain Eric. You know Captain Eric. He's been on the show before many times as a guest. We've had him, uh, he's partaken in many of our spirit tastings, been to many of our events. Introduced to Captain Eric, geez, gotta be, I'm trying to think how long it's been. It's got to be in excess of 15 years through Captain Sai up in Charlotte. They both work together at a major airline. In fact, both of them are my aviation mentors, my, my flying uh, mentors, and provide tremendous uh, uh, aviation and flying advice. My skills as an aviator far exceeded what they were before I met both of those great gentlemen. So Captain Eric lives about 30 minutes from me. We have not, we've talked, we text all the time, and we've been saying for I don't know how long, we need to get together. Let's get together. We've got to have cigars, we've got to have spirits, got to get together, we'll have some steaks, and we've been talking about it for I don't know how long. And a perfect opportunity arose. He was in town because he is a major international captain. I mean, one of the finest captains at one of the major airlines on the planet. You go with Captain Eric on the 787, you're in good hands. Or before that, the A330, A320, you're in great hands. So he's traveling all over internationally. So it's tough for us to get our schedules together. And ironically, this past week, we talked about it a few weeks ago, his harem of one was out of the country on a trip with his daughter. And he and I said, let's get together. Let's do it. And we did it. So I came over around 6 o'clock, 1800 military time. Beautiful weather. The weather in the Tampa Bay area on Tuesday was high 70s, no humidity. In fact, during the evening, it actually got cool, but it was delightful. The next thing I know, I walk in and Captain Eric says, look, I've got a special bottle, a special libation that we're going to enjoy, one of my favorites. It is the Angel's Envy Rye Whiskey. In fact, I will be featuring the Angel's Envy Rye Whiskey, which is finished in Caribbean rum casks. 
on today's International Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony. Fantastic. Nice aroma of butterscotch and spice, vanilla, just off the charts. In fact, we've had the late Lincoln Henderson, the founder of Angel's Envy, the original master distiller before he passed away, been on the Cigar Dave Show numerous times. Wonderful gentleman. His son now is taking over as the master distiller. And they created a very unique spirit there. Angel's Envy Bourbon, they finished it again in secondary casks, and that made a huge difference. And they have their bottle looks cool. Great spirit. So that's the first thing. We pour a little Angel's Envy Rye Whiskey. Of course, I brought ample amounts of fine quality premium hand-rolled cigars. We go outside right uh, by the pool, the Lanai area, and we're sitting around and we light our cigars. And in fact, uh, Captain Eric had an Alec Bradley Kinsugi, one of our Officers Club selections, outstanding cigar. He said, I want something on the medium side, General, pick it for me. And of course, I brought some Avo Classics. I brought, I brought tons of great cigars. You don't think this five-star is going to bring a mediocre cigar. And the reality is there are really no mediocre cigars today. The quality of premium hand-rolled cigars today really are off the charts. Never been better to be a cigar connoisseur. I said that five years ago. I said it 10 years ago. I said it 15 years ago. And it keeps getting better and better. The tobacco is aged. The cigar is aged. Great new wrappers and fillers and various blends that are being used. We've got new entrepreneurs, the big manufacturers, the Davidoffs, the General Cigars, the Altadises. They're all coming out with great cigars. So I selected the Alec Bradley Kintsugi Award winner. Love the stick. Captain Eric loved it. And I selected... What the, oh, I selected uh, Drew Estate Undercrown, one of their special undercrowns. We light the cigar. We have our Angel's Envy. We're talking. We're catching up, schmoozing. 6 o'clock goes around. 7 o'clock goes around. 8 o'clock goes around. 9 o'clock goes around. We didn't even look at our, our watches once. I mean, the steaks were ready to go. The grill was on. We were talking. And in fact, we had so much to talk about that we didn't want to forget anything. I said, Captain Eric... Get a pen and a piece of paper. We need to write everything we want to catch up on. You know, just, just in general. You know, what have been doing, where have been going flying-wise, what's happening, that kind of thing. And, you know, when you are catching up and you're shooting the bull and we're telling many, many, many jokes not suitable for work, absolutely dirty, raunchy jokes that, of course, the enemies of comedy would sneer at and say, how dare you, they're politically incorrect. The more politically incorrect the joke, the more we told. Because we don't give a damn about the comedy police, the language police, the pleasure police. We're alphas and we're going to do whatever we damn well please. That's exactly what you're going to do. We don't apologize for telling funny, dirty jokes or jokes that are not politically correct. We tell them all the time. I can't tell you the number of friends that tell me those jokes all the time. I can't tell you the number of women that tell me those jokes. Now, if you said that in a work environment today, you'd be castigated. How dare you? You said a joke that was actually funny, but it was controversial. Therefore, we're going to have to suspend you and fire you, and then we'll sue you. That is how pathetic it is today. I just read that there's a well-known actor. I can't remember his name off the bat. 
Oh, wait a minute. Hang on a second. Give me one second. I want to bring this up because this is important. In fact, I remember him. Sergeant Steve, do you remember the movie which involved the Cleveland Browns? I think it was called Draft Day. Yeah, with Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner, exactly. Do you remember the? there was an owner, the, there was an actor that played the owner. I'll mm-hmm. never forget the line. He said, you got a real set of balls, kid. Frank Langella. Do you, do you, does that name sound familiar? Uh, the name doesn't, but I know exactly what you're talking about. The okay. Owner on this well, he's now 84. I didn't realize that. But he's a great actor. He's been in all sorts of uh, movies mm-hmm. and all sorts of, of, of uh, TV series. Well, there is a Netflix is has an upcoming horror series called The Fall of the House of Usher. He was recently fired from the production following a misconduct investigation. They said he was involved in unacceptable behavior on the set. One of the unacceptable behaviors, he made a sexual joke while on the set. This is what's happening. I mean, this is how pathetic things are. In fact, he reportedly touched the leg of a female co-star while saying something along the lines of, did you like that? Is this how much... We have become such a pussified society where people are offended at everything. You say good morning to a woman, and she may not be a morning person. She'll say, I'm offended. I don't like mornings. It's not a good morning. I prefer afternoons. Therefore, I'm going to report you to HR. This is how crazy, how batshit crazy this country has become. So Frank Langella, well-known actor, gets whacked because of misconduct on the set. One of those unacceptable behaviors, telling a dirty sexual joke. Oh, the horror. Oh, the humanity. This is how pathetic things have become. So we told tons of great jokes. And believe me, we hit every ethnic group, every sexual persuasion. Absolutely don't care. You name it. Kind of like Don Rickles. Don Rickles would hit everybody. You name it, you name the ethnic group, you name the skin color, you name the religion, he hit everybody. And you know what? He was damn funny. And people in the audience of every religion and every color and ethnic group would pack to see him. They would pack the audience. Every age, even when Don Rickles was in his 80s performing, there were people in their 20s, 30s, 40s that wanted to see Don Rickles. In fact, if he ribbed you, and razzed you, that was almost a sign, a badge of honor. There are many actors that, that have come out publicly saying, one of the best moments of my life is when Don Rickles picked, you know, picked on me. It was in, uh, in one of his shows and he picked on me. Everybody's way too sensitive today. Way too soft. We're not. We're alphas. We've got thick skin. We don't easily get offended. We don't need a damn safe space. We know that what is it? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Buck up. Grow a set. That's exactly what we do as alphas. So we had a great time. We're telling jokes. We're smoking cigars. We're having a ball. We are going through our list of top because we haven't seen each other in ages. Again, that is true social media in action. Not doing it on a damn keyboard. Not doing it over a FaceTime or a Zoom not texting each other back and forth, in-person communication, one-on-one. Fantastic evening. And before you look around, all of a sudden, 
Captain Eric says, Jesus, it's, it's, it's almost 10 o'clock. We, gotta, we should put the steaks on. We could have gone at least till midnight before we put those steaks on, guaranteed. So we put the steaks on, and nice, medium, rare. Couldn't really get the Pittsburgh sear. However, I have recommended to Captain Eric the Grill Grate system. It's called Grill Grate, G-R-A-T-E. And there's these, these grates that you put right over the existing grates, and they elevate the meat. And there are these little canals, these channels between the, where the meat goes. And as the fat is rendered, first of all, it protects from any flameouts. You don't want flameouts to char, overly char your meat. And the second thing is it takes those juices and it sizzles them, and the flavor and juiciness kicks right back into those steaks. And you take several of those grill grates and, do, and reverse them, and you have like a flat-top grill so you can do a nice Pittsburgh-style char. Upon my recommendation, Captain Eric, the next morning, ordered those grill grates for his grill. Huge difference. Totally elevates the grilling experience. But we had a great time. The ribeyes he bought were big. They tasted great. The baked potatoes. We had a nice salad. Of course, some libations. And we continue to talk and continue to tell jokes and have a great evening. The next thing I know, it's 1245. Had a half-hour ride back home. Didn't, didn't walk in until, I don't know, 115, 120. Had a great time. And in fact, we said we need to do this more often. In fact, I said, next time, Captain Eric, I will smoke a rib roast, a prime rib roast. Easy to do. In fact, Sergeant Steve, I sent you the pictures of that rib roast I did a couple of days ago. Let's go ahead and tweet those out. Put those on social media. It's so easy to smoke a rib roast. I got an eight-pound rib roast, a prime rib roast. You tie it with some string just to keep it nice and tight. Now, I didn't have the bone attached. There was no bones. I prefer the bones because there's nothing like eating those prime rib bones when you're done. But boneless, had it in the string. I seasoned it, used some Worcestershire sauce. I used some kosher salt, some pepper, some onion powder, some paprika. And then I used some special Mediterranean seasonings, za'atar. Z-A apostrophe A-T-A-R, za'atar. Beautiful seasoning. It's awesome. Nice Middle Eastern type spices. You don't see that very often. 275 degrees. Normally I like to smoke it around a little slower, around 225 to 250, but I got smoking it late. Didn't start till about, I don't know, maybe 3 o'clock. So 275, nice hickory pellets in my pellet smoker. Two hours and 20 minutes later, it gets up to about 100 and... I would say 15 degrees, take it off the smoker. You can keep it on the smoker and elevate the temp to about 500, but I just took it into my oven, hit convection roast, 500 degrees, about 15 minutes, got right up to about 125 degrees internal temp, pulled it at that point, then I tented it and rested it for 45 minutes. Let that rib roast just sit, let those juices reabsorb, let that muscle relax. It'll continue cooking. It'll get up to that 130 internal temp for a nice medium rare at the center. And then 45 minutes later, you pull it out, and it's loaded with juiciness. And the aroma is incredible. Put it on a nice big carving board, nice sharp slicing knife, and the ends are going to be more on the medium side. And probably the, I would say the middle, say 50%, is going to be medium rare. 
marvelous. And if somebody wants it more well done, let's say, now I love the end cut, so medium's fine. But if somebody says, hey, that's way too medium rare for me, no problem. You can stick it on the grill, cast iron skillet, don't put it in a microwave, that'll kill it. Or you can just stick it in the in the oven if you need to, or even back on the smoker for a little bit at maybe 400, 450, and that'll get it right back to the whatever desired finish they want. Medium, medium, uh, uh, or medium, medium well, well done. Don't eat well done meat. Not good. Kills it. Great way to entertain. So next time Captain Eric comes over to my pleasure palace, we'll have prime rib, of course, great cigars, libations, and I guarantee you, we'll start again, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, and we won't be done to the wee hours of the morning. You cannot emulate that on a computer, on a smartphone, on a tablet. You can't do it by text. You can't do it in a social media posting. You can't do it on FaceTime. Not the same. Nothing like one-on-one interaction. Now, it was just Captain Eric and I, but you could have had three, four, five friends together. Maybe you have your harem together. Have four, five, six dames. Whomever. And there's so many ways that you can amplify the experience. You can go out and pick three or four bottles of single malt scotch or small batch bourbon and do a vertical tasting and say, hey, tonight we got steaks on the grill or we're going to whatever food you want to put on there. You smoke the brisket, you got ribs, whatever the case is. And you've got three or four different spirits. You can do a vertical tasting. You can talk about it. You can compare it. You get some great cigars. You have yourself a wonderful evening. Now think about this for a moment. You go out to dinner today. I was recently out to dinner to one of the steakhouses. Had a veal rib chop. I think it was 62 bucks. 62 bucks for a veal rib chop. You get a baked potato, it's nine or ten bucks. You have salads, you have a couple of drinks. The next thing you know, you're walking out with, you know, after tipping everything, $350, $400 bill for a couple of people. You go out and purchase three bottles of spirits. Or even if you say to everyone, hey, we're each going to kick in 50 bucks. And what we'll do is one, one week I'll host, another time you host, everybody kicks in 50 or 60 bucks. You go out and you get the three, four bottles of spirits. You get the cigars. You go out and you get the ribs or you get a, a brisket. The next thing you know, you've got a better evening than if you were at a restaurant because you can sit all night. You can smoke cigars. You can have the libations. Great camaraderie. Nobody's trying to kick you out of a table. And certainly you can't smoke a cigar inside a restaurant. It is a wonderful way to go. So if you want to elevate your social experience with friends, have them over. Tell them to have you over. Do a round robin. Everybody goes in a circle and say, okay, I'm going to host this month. Next month, in fact, I remember a number of years ago, we used to have our boys' night out. There was a group of us, probably about 10 of us, and we'd have our boys' night out. We'd do it at a different steakhouse. And it kind of whittled because some guys got married, some guys got pussy whipped, some guys you know, became wussified betas. And their wives didn't let them go out. Meanwhile, the wives go out and they, they go shopping. They go to lunch with all their friends. They go traveling. But yet, these guys basically were castrated. Castrated at marriage, as we say. And so they couldn't, they stopped joining us. So it went from 10 to 8 to 6 to 5 to 4, then to like 3. And it kind of ended. 
But you can do that. Do it with neighbors. Do it with friends. It's a great night. I'm telling you, the experience that Captain Eric and I had was tremendous. Great laughs. Great catching up. In fact, next time we said we got to get our buddy Captain Cy down here, and we've got to add him. Captain Cy, Captain Eric, and myself. But whatever the situation, enjoy yourself. That's what it's all about. Doesn't cost a ton of money. And you get, what, six? We were together almost seven hours. Seven hours, and the time just flew by. That is what we need more of in this country. We need more of it on the political level. You've heard of the old tales where the politicians would say, well, remember those days, the old days where you'd have those smoke-filled rooms? The problem today is we don't have those smoke-filled rooms. We don't have Republicans and Democrats smoking cigars, drinking whiskey, socializing, and saying, look, let's get a deal done. Let's, let's find a way to get something done. We don't have to be adversarial, but let's try to find some common ground. The reason we are more adversarial is because you cannot smoke cigars in many of these places. I say if we had more cigars in government, in politics, in business, in social experiences, this country, this world would be far better off. Think about this for a minute. You could be a Republican, conservative, like I am. You could have Democrats. You could have uh, people that are liberal. But if you have a cigar, there is something about that cigar, even though you disagree vehemently with the other person, that kind of softens the tone a little bit. That maybe you can say, listen, we may disagree. We're having a cigar, but hey, let's talk. Let's see if there's some common ground. We don't have that anymore. We don't see it in government. We don't see it in business. We need more of the smoke-filled back rooms. Think about this. Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill. Tip O'Neill was the Speaker of the House from Massachusetts. They were, one was liberal, one was conservative, as different as two guys could be. One, Ronald Reagan was fit and trim. Tip O'Neill was uh, born on the portly side and probably hadn't seen a gym in, I don't know, maybe 50 years. But every Friday, even though they would, they would debate, and they were never mean-spirited when they would debate. You never heard, you never heard Tip O'Neill get nasty about the president like, like the way uh, that, that uh, Charlie Uniform November Tango Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi is or was with President Trump. Tip O'Neill disagreed, but he was never mean-spirited, didn't, didn't, didn't call out President Reagan in a rude manner. He disagreed with him and vehemently defended his position. But every Friday, they had a tradition. They had cigars and whiskey spirits at the White House. Every Friday. Every week, without fail. Now, you had a Republican and a Democrat, both very different from different states, one California and the other from Massachusetts. Yet, they bonded over a cigar and they bonded over a spirit. Happy hour every Friday. We need more of that. We need more socialization where we are enjoying cigars and spirits and enjoying delicacies together. Now, over the last few years, that has dwindled. It's coming back. Forget the social media nonsense electronically. Let's go back to in-person social media where two people actually talk. The media consists of your mouth, 
your eyes, your facial expression, and the other person or persons you are with. That is true social media. I believe that social media, the Facebook, the metaverse, Instagram, all these social media platforms, nonstop texting, has fucked up the social experience beyond anything we have seen in history. How many times have you gone to a restaurant and you see people that are out and you see them maybe with their kids? And these kids may not be necessarily 5, 6. They could be 10, 12, 14, 15. And they've got either an iPad or a tablet or some game in front of them. And they're essentially playing these games while at a dining table. Or you see people who are at the same table, but they're texting. Instead of talking to each other, they're texting. I can't tell you the number of friends who have told me that in their businesses, instead of getting up from your office, from your desk, and asking a person maybe 20 feet away a question, they either send an email or send a text. God forbid they get up to actually see the person. This is a huge problem. Another friend of mine told me he outlawed intercompany texts or emails if people were in the building. So they knew that Joe Schmo was in the building and Jane Doe was in the building, and you had to talk to one or the other, you got up and you talked to them. First of all, it's good to get up from your desk, number one. Number two, it's good to walk around. And number three, it's good to socialize. Look at someone face to face. We have lost that in this country. People hide behind texts. People have become giant pussies because they are afraid to communicate in person. How many times have you seen or heard the stories of people are either ghosted or their people break up via text? That is pathetic. How many times have you seen people or heard about people that get fired by email or text? That is pathetic. People cannot communicate. The younger generations today, they don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to look a person in the eye when they're talking to them and speak directly. Speak directly to them as I am speaking to all of you right now. If I was in front of you, I'd be looking directly in your eyes. They are socially inept. They are socially incapable today because they're a texting and electronic email, part of an electronic email society. They can't look at you directly and talk to you. They can't communicate with you. Huge problem. And again, go to a nice restaurant, an upscale restaurant, and look at all the people just texting, even texting people across the table. It is truly pathetic. But I am pleased to say we are committed to having our social media bonding experience on a regular basis. Now, that may mean once a month, once every six weeks, once every two months. I'd like to think maybe it'll be once a month. I think it's a great experience to go, catch up, socialize, tell laughs. TV wasn't on. We had some light music on in the background. wasn't like being at a discotheca. It wasn't blaring. You own a lot of these restaurants today, and it's like you're in a disco. You know, I understand you want background mood music, but you walk into a restaurant and it's blaring. I can't tell you the number of times where I've had to go to the manager and say, excuse me, can you turn that down? I mean, it is blaring in here. You can't even hear people talk because many people think the louder it is, the better. And in fact, I was at a restaurant recently and the manager said, you know, I apologize. I've been telling 
keep our, our younger employees over and over. They need to keep it down. They're not listening. So he said, what I'm going to actually do is I'm going to get a Sharpie, and I'm going to actually place a little black arrow where the volume must be, no louder than that. That makes sense. But you think people would have the common sense that, hey, people go to a restaurant, there's a difference between quiet mood music and being in a blaring disco. So we had a great evening overall. I encourage all of you to do the same thing. Get your friends. Get some acquaintances. Get neighbors together. Do it on a regular basis. I'm telling you, it's great for... I felt that when, when I was done, when he and I, it almost like it clears your head because we're bombarded with electronic, with email, text, web, you name it. We're staring at computers. We didn't look at our computers, or our computers, our smartphones or a screen on our smartphones, honest to God, for probably six out of the seven hours. There was one thing where we, we were talking about something and we wanted to find out the exact you know, info about it. We looked it up. That was it. We didn't check our emails. We didn't go on social media to post anything. It was one-on-one -on -one interaction. I highly encourage you to do more of that. Great cigars, great spirits, great delicacies, but more importantly, great conversational maneuvers and great camaraderie. That, my fellow alphas, is priceless. The International Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony comes your way next. I had the pleasure of knowing the late, great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo Heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, complexity, impeccable smoothness, nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers... Full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness, savor every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well, I have just pulled out a cigar that is unfortunately no longer produced, and that is a tragedy. A number of years ago, Balmoral came back out. They were they made cigars, and uh, they got out of the premium cigar business, but then they came back probably four, about four years ago. And I'll tell you, they came out initially with their, I think it was their Balmoral Connecticut, and then they came out with some brand extensions, line extensions, and one of them that we featured in our officers club, the Balmoral Añejo Exo Nicaragua. A fantastic name. Fantastic cigar, fantastic brand. Royal Agio, the parent company, really committed to making great premium cigars, and they did at their Dominican Republic factory. And they created a very nice cigar under a rich Nicaraguan Habano wrapper. They've got a Cuban seed Brazilian binder. I believe it's an Arapiraca binder. And a very unique blend. Dominican Olor, Nicaragua Esteli, along with Balmoral stock cut Brazilian Mata Norte. A very special leaf, 
that delivers incredible amounts of flavor. Medium to full bodied, rich, earthy, nice espresso notes. It is a phenomenal cigar. In fact, when Balmoral was coming out with their cigars and they relaunched, spoke to them and said, you know, Balmoral always had good cigars going back about 15, 20 years ago, and then they got out of it. And they said, no, we are committed. We are going to do some very unique things. And after the Balmoral Connecticut and the original Balmoral, they came out with this Nicaragua, and it was a spice and flavor bomb in a good way. Not harsh, but very nice. Came in, I want to say, about five different sizes. And I have pulled out the Grand Toro, six inches in length with a 52 ring gauge. Now, when these initially were available, these were about uh, in the eight and a half, nine dollar price range. Beautiful cigar. There are still some of the online retailers that sell the Balmoral Añejo Exo Nicaragua. It is a beauty. Beautiful looking wrapper, this Nicaraguan Habano, almost as a, a rosado colored wrapper. The band has beautiful burgundy, almost a deep burgundy red with gold and some white. It says Nicaragua underneath the Balmoral label. Very, very nice looking cigar. They were acquired by General Cigar, Scandinavian Tobacco. And unfortunately, the Balmoral brand going away or has gone away, which is a shame because the blends were absolutely phenomenal. Well-made, well-crafted, well-blended, excellent cigar, the Balmoral Añejo Exo Nicaragua. I still have about uh, maybe a dozen of these left from some of the Officers Club pouches that we had shipped out. So that's what I will enjoy today on the International Cigar Lightation Ceremony. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. Well, I have a self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine in my hand. However, my litation device today has a built-in cigar piercer or bullet cut, and that's what I will use. In fact, I will put this here, and then I will release it. That's what I will use today, the built-in piercer bullet cut on my special litation device. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. I have got from the Cigar Dave R&D Laboratories the Cigar Dave 5-star. Five butane gas jet flames arranged in a pentagon design. Nice translucent tank. Feels like a hand grenade almost. You just feel it. Or, or the end of a, of a Glock 19. Just feels great in the hand. I can see I've got about 80% butane in the tank. And again, it does have a built-in piercer. You can adjust the flame. It's a beautiful, very lightweight litation device. Cigar, Cigar pre-litation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. All right, I've just pulled out the piercer here and take a listen. What I'm doing is actually, it's like I'm screwing into the cap of the cigar, the piercer, the bullet cut. Now, I made one cut on the left and now I'm gonna move it just a little bit to the right. Fantastic, so now I have two nice piercings in the middle of the cap of the cigar and now I will release the little piercer. Now I will toast the foot of this beautiful Balmoral Añejo Exo Nicaragua. Again, what a shame that this cigar is no longer made. It really is an absolute beauty. Balmoral really did a nice job bringing their cigars back and they developed a very nice lineup before 
They were acquired by Scandinavian Tobacco, the parent company of General Cigar. Now this has got a 52 ring gauge. So we've got to take our time toasting the wrapper first. And then I'm going to toast the foot, the filler. All right, now I'm holding the cigar at a 45 degree angle. I've got the litation device upright, probably three inches away. Heat's going to cause combustion. Here we go. Mmm. Lovely draw. Mmm. Lovely taste. Mmm. Definite notes of spiciness. Nice espresso notes. Mmm. On the foot of the cigar, I have a perfect, even amber glow. And now, I shall puff. Mm. Very nice. Don't be in a rush when you are conducting your own cigar lightation ceremony to feel that you, after you light it, that you have to puff immediately. Two, three, four, five puffs. You don't. I like to let these cigars sit for about 30 seconds, then take a puff, and then let it sit another 30 seconds. Just let that tobacco just warm up. Just let that cigar start to develop as it burns down. You'll note that there are different flavor complexities. So we'll take another puff here. Mm-hmm. Very nice. I'll tell you, the Brazilian binder and the stock-cut Brazilian Mata Norte filler tobacco really give this cigar a very unique complexion. Brazil, one of the countries whose tobacco is exceptional. There's Arapiraca wrapper, there's Mata Norte. Just very unique flavors, unique whether it's wrapper or in the filler, you can't go wrong. There's also Matafina, which is another Brazilian. So there's Brazilian Matafina, Mata Norte, and Arapiraca. Excellent, excellent tobaccos. Mm. I've always said, if I were to blend a cigar, a custom cigar for me, I absolutely would have Brazilian Matafina or Arapiraca in the blend, either as a wrapper or as a binder or as a filler because the tobacco is excellent. And I'll tell you another tobacco I would absolutely have, San Andrean tobacco from the Torrent Farms, whether it is Corojo or Maron, which is a Maduro, any of their tobaccos are absolutely outstanding. In fact, in just a few minutes, I'll tell you about the April Officers Club selection coming from Casa Torrent. Now, I got my cigar nicely lit. I need the proper accoutrement. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. All right, I have got a bottle of the Angel's Envy Rye Caribbean Cask Finish that Captain Eric... Gave uh, that provided when I came over on Tuesday evening for the ultimate social media experience and one-on-one -on -one catch-up session, get-together. So I've got this Angel's Envy. Now let me just pour a little bit, first of all, into my snifter. Okay, very nice. So I've got that. Now let me tell you about this. First of all, this was Lincoln Henderson, is the man who was the original master distiller. Very unique story about Angel's Envy. Lincoln Henderson really was a visionary. 
Lincoln Henderson was the original master distiller for Woodford Reserve. Woodford Reserve was launched in 1996. And very upscale bourbon, very different type of bourbon expression, Lincoln Henderson was the man behind it. And Lincoln Henderson decided that he wanted to go out on his own. So he did. And he created the Angel's Envy brand and bourbon whiskey after he left Brown Foreman. I mean, he worked on Woodford Reserve. He was involved with Gentleman Jack. Angel's Envy was his first and only independent project. As he said on the show, on the Cigar Dave show, we had him on during National Bourbon Heritage Month many years ago. He said it was his masterpiece. And I want to say around, maybe it was around 2009, 2010, that Angel's Envy was created. And initially, even though they were building their own distillery, they did not have the bourbon. They didn't have the rye whiskey. So they went to a very large distiller, originally the Seagram's Distillery, just outside of Cincinnati, just west of Cincinnati in, I think it's Lawrenceville or Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Huge distillery. Seagram sold it to MGP, uh, MGP uh, uh, Industries. MGP, a big food processor. You go to MGP and they've got thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of gallons of distilled age whiskey, rye, bourbon, various mash bills. And so what he did is he went to them and said, look, I'm going to create a unique mash bill. I'm going to take this mash bill, this mash bill, I'm going to blend them. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to do something unique. I'm going to finish it in a secondary cask to give it something very unique. And he did. And that's how Angel's Envy was created. Lincoln passed away in 2013, unfortunately. Wonderful guy. Could have been nicer when we had him on the show. And so now he's got his son, Wes Henderson, who's now the master distiller. They have their own distillery. They have grown like crazy. I believe they sold the brand, but they still oversee the brand. Really a true success story. So the Angel's Envy Rye, when you talk about rye, it's going to have more of a spicy, peppery type of finish. A lot of people don't like rye. They like bourbon, but they don't like rye. They don't like that real pepper spiciness. Well, the Angel's Envy Finish Rye is extremely unique. First up, they age the finished rye in rum barrels, as opposed to port barrels for the Angel's Envy bourbon. The Angel's Envy finished rye is aged in, additionally, in rum barrels. So you get a very nice taste profile of rye whiskey, but you get some of that sweetness from that cask finish. And I have to tell you that after spending 18 months finishing in a Caribbean rum cask, the result of the Angel's Envy finished rye is unbelievable. First up, on on the aroma, on the nose, you are going to get massive amounts of butterscotch. Massive amounts of vanilla. I mean, maple. It just, it's like an explosion. First note right off the bat was that butterscotch. Then secondary notes of vanilla and some maple. Then when you take a sip, you really get that amalgamation of all those very unique tastes. Again, you get some citrus, you get some vanilla, you get some maple, you get butterscotch. 
So not only do you get it on the nose, you get it on the palate. Nice finish, slightly warm, very soft. You do get a little touch of the, I believe, of not only the, the original cask that it sits in, American oak, but you also get some of the port barrel. You can taste some of that woodiness. Delightful. About $85, $90 a bottle, depending on where you go for a 750 milliliter bottle. So let me say cheers here, and we will take a sample here. Well, that didn't sound great. Let me see if I can try that again. No, that's better. All right, we'll now just swirl it, and on my nose, I am getting amazing amounts of butterscotch. I mean, it's like going to the, uh, getting one of those Brock's butterscotch candies Imagine if you had a thousand of them all opened and you smelled them. That's exactly what you would smell. Real butterscotch. All right. We'll say cheers. Take a sip. Mm. This is 100 proof, 50% alcohol by volume. Nice, rich, spicy notes. Butterscotch. Definitely balanced. This is nice. Nice, rich, reddish, amber color. Beautiful. Got to take another sip of this. Mm. 100 proof, 50% alcohol by volume. Now, the original Angel's Envy, different taste profile. It's not a rye. It's bourbon, so you're going to get more of the corn. They also make a cask strength which for those of you that are looking for something a little bit more fuller bodied, that's really gonna hit you, the cast strength definitely would hit you. But very, <coughs> excuse me, very nice. Gotta take another sip of this, it's so nice. Mm. I've had the cast strength. It's launched about two years ago. And I will tell you that it is a long, very hot finish. A lot of toastiness from the wood definite difference when you have that cast strength compared to being cut down a little bit. But I'll tell you this, if you don't like a rye, you don't like that spiciness, you don't like that pepperiness, try the Angel's Envy rye. You will find it to be very tame, nice accommodating on your palate. It won't give you that sharp, peppery, real spicy uh, note on the palate. Very pleasant. So cheers to all. Again, a great evening we had with uh, Captain Eric. Many thanks to Captain Eric for the hospitality and the Angel's Envy Rye whiskey that we enjoyed and the steaks. I will reciprocate next time. And again, wherever you may be, great spirits, great delicacies, great cigars, and most importantly, great camaraderie. That is what it is all about. Question I receive most from connoisseurs. General, what is the newest cigar that I should try? Easy answer. Right now, it's the Gurkha Revenant. Very unique addition to the Gurkha portfolio. It comes in two different wrappers, a Corojo or a San Andrean Maduro wrapper. But what is unique about the Gurkha Revenant? It uses essentially the same Cameroon binder 
and some broadleaf in the filler. So you're going to get some unique sweetness. You're going to get some unique spice. The San Andres Maduro wrapper adds more sweetness with a little bit more of a unique complexion, whereas the Corojo, more of a medium-bodied balance smoke. Try one of each. You can't go wrong. The brand-new Gurkha Revenant, available in Corojo and San Andres Maduro wrapper. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. Let's talk about the Cigar Dave Officers Club, our April selection. Very, very pleased to say that after a three-month hiatus because of supply chain issues, thanks, Joe Biden, FJB, hashtag FJB, hashtag let's go Brandon, we are back for April. We've got a very special selection of cigars, the A. Torrent Sampler. These A. Torrents have been... Reblended, they were available in Europe exclusively. Now they're going to be available in the United States. We've got three of these eight Torrents made down at the Torrent factory and farm down in the San Andrean region of Mexico. First up, the eight Torrent, 75 años, 75 years. Honoring Alberto Torrent for his 75th birthday, it was a special edition originally for Mexico. Five-year-old Maduro wrapper, so they've got the San Andrean Maron wrapper. Love that wrapper. Medium to full-bodied cigar. Then we've got the eight Torrent Sixth Generations, because now the sixth generation has been born into the Torrent family. Features a Habano Colorado Claro wrapper, full-bodied. It's got a San Andreo, San Andrean Negro binder and filler, and they use crop from 2006, the year of Alejandro's birthday. There's always a significance attached to these A. Torrent cigars. Very interesting. And then the A. Torrent original. The strongest cigar, most full, I don't want to say strongest, the fullest bodied cigar in the A. Torrent portfolio. Habano Maduro wrapper, full bodied, intense, 100% San Andrean Habano cigar tobaccos. So it is straightforward, loads of flavor, loads of intensity, all made with different tobaccos grown in San Andres, Mexico, of Cuban and Negro seed tobaccos. So if you are a member of the Cigar Dave Officers Club, you and and your credit card was charged April 1st, you will get these, I think they're going to ship sometime next week, probably middle of next week. So you get them before the end of the month. We've got a special selection from Alec Bradley for May. We'll tell you about that. Now, here's what we're doing. We're going to keep the price $22.95 for May. But starting June 1st, it goes to $25.95. I want to give everybody ample notice so it wasn't a surprise. So in everybody's Officers Club selection, if you are already a member, you will see in the info insert on the back of it, we talk about the upcoming price increase June 1. We have not had a price increase in excess, I think, I want to say almost 15 years. So with all the Bidenflation that's gone on, we have absolutely no choice. Postage has gone up. Packaging costs, cigar, everything has gone up. So for $25.95, you're still getting one hell of a deal. And that's going to be effective June 1st. So everybody, if you are a member, even if you've been a member since day one, nobody's grandfathered in. Everybody pays the exact same amount. Membership is month to month. We have no long-term contracts. You get three great cigars, premium cigars, shipped to you each and every month in a Cigar Dave Officers Club Ziploc pouch. So for May $22.95, then June 1st, it goes up to $25.95 for everybody. We're giving everybody ample notice. We've given everybody 60 days notice. And again, membership is month to month. But I will tell you this, the number of emails I receive from our Officers Club members saying, General, we're ripping you off at $22.95 a month. You're sending us great cigars worth well in excess of what we're paying. We're ripping you off. 
That's great. We want people to think they're getting a great value. They know they're getting a great value. And at $25.95, they're still getting a great value. And we'll monitor. I hate to raise prices, but we unfortunately have no choice. And we'll have to monitor. If inflation keeps going through the roof and they raise postage rates again, we may have to do it again. Hate to do it, but hopefully we'll be able to keep it at $25.95 for a while. If you are not a member of the Cigar Dave Officers Club. Joining is very easy. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club. We've got all the past selections that are listed. We've got frequently asked questions, any info you need. Signing up is very simple online. CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and you can be amongst the very elite few that enjoy fantastic cigars that I personally select with the manufacturers each and every month. Now, let's talk about the... Statement that I made right at the opening of the the little tease, if you will, part of our top three items on today's Cigar Dave show. Free at last, free at last, thank the Lord, I'm free from mask mandates, free at last. Well, let's hope mask mandates continue to be eliminated. Earlier this week, by now you already know, on Monday, a U.S. federal judge in the Middle District of Florida residing in Tampa ended the absolutely ridiculous, insane, unjustified mask mandates on planes, trains, and in airports. The entire country cheered the news. Pilots were announcing and flight attendants were announcing during flights when they received the news that the mask mandate was eliminated and their airline would make masks, mask wearing optional. We saw people cheering. You saw it on social media. You saw videos of it. People cheering. We saw flight attendants singing and taking a trash can down the or trash bag down the aisle, letting everybody throw their damn masks into the trash. Nobody wants to wear those damn things. Not pilots, not flight attendants, not, not passengers. Isn't it amazing? Everywhere else, masks have been eliminated. Yet on airplanes, which supposedly has the freshest air, they don't, the CDC and the Biden regime doesn't want people to unmask. Why is that? I'll tell you why. It's all about control. We've known that since the beginning. It is all about control. Controlling your life, getting you to be an automaton, to just say, yes, sir, may I have another? Yes, ma'am, may I have another? Thank you, may I have another? That's exactly what they want you to do. They don't want you to think for yourself. They don't want to encourage freedom. The Democrats are against freedom. There's no difference between Democrats and between Marxists and between dictators. Chavez, uh, uh, the, the former uh, Chavez, now six feet under, thankfully. The Castros, one of them six feet under. One of them may join them anytime. Maduro, all these, these dictators. There's no difference between the Democrats. It's all about control. And that's exactly what the Democrats wanted to do is control. President Trump didn't have mask mandates on airplanes. Now, on Tuesday, the Biden administration, first the White House said, nope, they're not going to do anything. It's up to the DOJ. And the CDC, of course, follow the science, even though there is no science whatsoever showing that transmission on airplanes is is, is affected by wearing masks or not wearing masks. And most of the masks people are wearing are disgusting. You can actually see the, the dirt buildup when they're breathing. 
I mean, you're inhaling far more worse air than fresh air coming out of an airplane, which recirculates on a regular basis. So on Tuesday, the Biden regime, the DOJ, said that if the CDC decides to continue with the mandate, the mask mandate, the DOJ would file an appeal. And lo and behold, you didn't think the CDC or the White House was going to roll over and say, okay, people are happy, they're not wearing the masks, we're out of this pandemic, which we are, we have therapeutics, screw the vaccines, I'm not taking, ever taking a booster. We know there are 2,000 side effects to the vaccines. Sergeant Steve, you and I know an individual who's had a horrible response after taking the second vaccine. He had a social media posting about it earlier this week. Terrible. Been through doctors all over the place. They've diagnosed him with 20 different things, none of which seemed to be. And they finally said, nope, this is a, this is a reaction to the vaccine. If I knew then... What I knew today, I would not have taken the vaccine. And I'm not a vaccine skeptic. I'm not against vaccine. I'm not a vaccine denier. But if I knew then what I knew today, I would not take it. I would keep taking my ivermectin, my prophylactic dose. Or in absence of that, you can always take quercetin and zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D3, all important items in preventing the Wuhan virus. And if you do get the Wuhan virus, see a doctor that will prescribe ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D3, and uh, either azithromycin or doxycycline so that your lungs are protected. We have therapeutics. Of course, the Democrats and phony Fauci, Ayatollah Fauci, didn't want therapeutics being distributed, cheap therapeutics. Why? Again, follow the money. Follow the money. They wanted vaccines. They wanted to enrich Pfizer and Moderna. They want to continue pushing their vaccine mandates. Take three boosters. Take four boosters. Take ten boosters. Now we're seeing Pfizer coming out saying, we're going to have an Omicron booster available in September. I'm sorry. Omicron is nature's attenuated live vaccine. It's like taking the flu shot. It has mutated into a more communicable virus, but less hostile virus, if you will, less dangerous, doesn't go in the lungs. It can, and if it does, again, therapeutics. And I would say no matter who gets, whether you get Omicron, Delta, whatever, you should get treatment immediately. You want to get treatment in the first five days before the virus, the viral load explodes. Some people are asymptomatic. Some people, I talked to several people that had it. They essentially had a bad throat, got sore throat, and that was it. Sergeant Steve, you had it. I think you said you what, had just a stuffy nose and a sore throat and a little achy? Yeah, no, I wasn't even achy, just a, a medium sore throat. Wasn't even a bad one. How long did it last? Three days. And then it was done? Yep. Who knows? I, look, I, I may have had it, don't know. I mean, I had an upper respiratory infection. I took a test, but those tests aren't necessarily reliable. And that's the problem. In fact, many of those, uh, the tests that were available, people said, what, where, how come we didn't have a flu season? Like in 2021, we didn't see a flu season. The reason we didn't is because the Wuhan virus tests cannot differentiate the difference between the common flu and the Wuhan virus. So you may have just had a regular flu, 
but it registered as a Wuhan virus. I can't remember what, a, not the DNA test. I can't remember what type of, uh, 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 there's a term for that. I can't recall offhand, but they're no longer using those tests. So we could have had millions of Americans that were diagnosed with the Wuhan virus who actually just had the flu, influenza. We don't know. But now the CDC coming out and saying that the mask order is necessary. The CDC, this is their statement, the CDC continues to recommend that people wear masks in all indoor public transportation settings. CDC's number one priority is protecting the public health of our nation. As we have said before, wearing masks is most beneficial in crowded or poorly ventilated locations such as the transportation corridor. The CDC's number one priority isn't protecting the public health of our nation. It's to control the nation, to control you, to control me, to control all Americans. The CDC is so worried about the Wuhan virus that why is it that all these illegal aliens, these deadbeats that have been coming through the Mexican border to the tune of over a million a year under Biden, they didn't have to take vaccines, but meanwhile their vaccine mandates for government officials, for the military, they didn't vaccinate them, they didn't test them, but yet many people in the rest of the country are subject to mandates, vaccine mandates, mask mandates, but they're so concerned about the health of America that they're letting all these people in that had the Wuhan virus. They're full of shit. You know it, I know it, they know it. The CDC stands for Center for Democrat Control. That's what it stands for, Center for Democrat Control. They want to control your life. They want to control how you live. They believe that if they can exercise control for the Wuhan virus, they can do it for all sorts of other health-related matters and issues. And the judge came out and said, the CDC exceeded their authority. You got to get public comment. They didn't show, they didn't state why it has to be done or show the evidence behind it. But yet, instead of the Biden White House saying, you know what, let's take a loss and turn it into a win, coming out and saying, look, we were going to remove these mass mandates. We just initially did a two-week extension until early May. We we're going to eliminate them. So now it's no big deal. They just get eliminated two weeks earlier. We're fine with it. We don't believe that the science shows that people are transmitting it. And we're seeing the number of cases fall dramatically and hospitalizations fall dramatically. Now, the hospitals don't like the fact that hospitalizations are dropping. The medical industrial complex wants to have you go into the ICU, wants to have you diagnosed with the Wuhan virus, and wants to put you on a ventilator. Why? Every time one of those three conditions are met, you get COVID, they get a, they get a bonus. You put you on a ventilator, they get more money. ICU, even more money. I talked to a very good friend of mine, a well-known physician in the Tampa Bay area. He said, I will not, unless it's the absolute I have no other choice. I will not send my patients to the hospital because all the hospitals want to do and the physicians in the hospitals want to stick patients on a ventilator. Cha-ching. Cash register rings even more, and you get on the ventilator, then they want to give you remdesivir for 3000 bucks, 3500 bucks. Major known side effects, huge kidney damage. Huge kidney damage. Fauci's known this is a dangerous drug. No problem. We're still going to authorize it, even though it does nothing to whack the Wuhan virus. But tell you what does, ivermectin, 
zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D, azithromycin, or doxycycline. All of those work. Find a physician that would prescribe those to you. So the CDC exceeds their authority. Federal judge says, ah, it's out. Instead of the White House saying, okay, we lost, but we'll take this as a victory. Americans don't want this. The traveling public, the airlines don't want it. The, the airline crews, the, the pilots, the flight attendants, they don't want it. I just talked to somebody today. It's in an airport, traveling today. She said that probably 10% of the flight had masks on. None of the flight attendants had masks, none of the pilots. So if you want to wear a mask, there's no law against it. If you want to wear 10 masks, be my guest. Nobody's going nobody's to uh, uh, have a problem with that. Wear all the masks you desire, but it should not be mandated. In fact, I just uh, received a text a few moments ago from Captain Eric. He's going on an international trip. He said the terminal is packed. Only 2% wearing masks at airport. If they reverse it now, the passengers will mutiny. I think he's right. I don't think any passenger or flight crew will, or even airline will say, fine, we're going to mandate that. I think they would fight and reject it. I think they would say, good, sue us. Take us to court. F you, Biden administration, or Biden regime. F you, CDC. F you, DOJ. Now, the DOJ said they're going to appeal the mask mandate repeal. However, they said that they will not seek a temporary injunction while the appeal is being heard, meaning they won't try to get the mask mandate enforced while the appeal is being heard. Now, I don't know how long that appeal could take. It may take a couple of weeks. I don't see it happening in a day or two. They could try to get for an emergency appeal. But let's say it takes a week, 10 days. Do you think in that time, every single minute, hour, day that goes by, do you think the traveling public is going to want to put those damn masks back on? The answer is no. Hell to the no. No chance. And if the Court of Appeals should overrule the initial court ruling and say, okay, fine, CDC, that mask mandate's in effect, you will have an absolute... I'm telling you, there will be a revolution in this country. If you think there was an insurrection, and there wasn't on January 6th, first damn insurrection I've ever heard of where nobody had weapons. Go figure that one out. But you really want to see an insurrection? You'll have the traveling public, and Biden and any Democrat won't get a damn vote come November. We can't get these rat bastard Democrats out fast enough. They are true enemies of America. They despise you. They despise freedom. It is all about a small group of elites wanting to exercise control. These are the same elites that when there's all these mask mandates and all these prohibitions in effect, you see all of the Democrats going, they're going out to dinner, they're in big parties, they're not wearing masks, they're having a good old time. But you, no. You need to wear a mask. You need to submit to them. The same thing with this climate change hoax bullshit. Oh, you shouldn't, be, you shouldn't be keeping the air conditioning in your house below 75. You need to drive a more efficient car. You need to get an electric vehicle. 
You need to put solar panels on your house. But yet, these are the same elites that are traveling in private jets all over the world that burn more fuel taxing their Gulf Streams to the end of the runway than you will use fuel in your car in maybe three months. These are the same people that say you should really be more climate friendly and really downsize your house, but they'll live in 10, 15, 20,000 square foot homes. These are the same people that say the sea levels are rising if we don't do anything. Cities will be underwater. And these are the same people buying very expensive multi-million dollar estates at sea level on the water. But they don't want you doing anything, including grilling a steak, because that could release carbon into the atmosphere. Oh, and don't eat meat, because cows emit methane, and the more methane, that causes global warming and climate change. Climate change is the biggest hoax perpetuated on the world by a small group of elites than this world has ever seen in its history. And yet, what do I always say? Over half of the world in this country are stupid. Makes no difference on your socioeconomic status, on your educational status. I've seen people with Harvard and Yale degrees and MBAs that are stupid as a box of rocks. We have a nation full of blind, dumb lemmings that will follow any of these elites. If one of these Democrats tell them to do this, they will follow them. They could take them to the end of a cliff and say, okay, I'm going to stand here, but I still want you to walk off the cliff. And these blind lemmings, half of America, will say, okay, no problem. We'll do it. If that's what you want, we'll do it. Half of America, half of the world is stupid. Probably more than that. You've seen them. You can spot them a mile away. has nothing to do with somebody's net worth. There are millionaires and billionaires, as Bernard Sanders would say, millionaires, billionaires, zillionaires that are dumb as a box of lead bricks. They're dumb. They are dumb. I mean, look at AOC, one of the dumbest fucks to walk the planet. Seriously. Yeah, I supported her, me, Bernard Sanders, but let's face it, she's a schmuck. These are the people that tell you how to live your life. Do as I say, not as I do. And yet people will run and, and, and buy these electric vehicles. Never mind that we have to buy lithium and cobalt from China, our enemy, since they produce 90% of it. Never mind that the toxicity of these batteries when they have to be changed after 50, 60,000 miles at a tune of $25,000, $30,000. Never mind, we don't have a place to dispose of these. These are tremendously unrecyclable items, dangerous elements. And never mind the fact that electric vehicles are, what, 30, 40% more than a regular vehicle? These elites don't care. And they don't care the fact that if you do plug one of these vehicles in at night, you have to recharge it. Where does the power come from? Oh, it comes from a power plant. That's either natural gas-fired, nuclear-fired. Sure, there could be solar and there could be, there could be hydro, but the majority of the plants in this country run on natural gas, on carbon fuel. So if we have all these new cars that have to be charged, these electric vehicles, you have to build more power plants. Solar and wind are not going to cut it. But do the elites ever think about that? No. What they say is, you need to go and get an electric vehicle. And when you ask them, well, where does the power come from? Well, it comes from the wall. Okay, well, where do, with the wall, but where does that come from? Well, I don't know. It probably comes from uh, solar and the wind. No, it doesn't. 
The majority comes from natural gas now. And there's still some coal-fired plants remaining. But virtually all the major power companies have either knocked down their coal plants or they've converted them to natural gas. We have loads of natural gas in this country. It burns clean. In fact, instead of electric vehicles, we should probably have more vehicles that run on natural gas and run on hydrogen, also clean. It's vapor is water. That's what it emits, water. Can't get any cleaner than that. But they will never be honest with you. And they assume, they want you to be dumb lemmings, blind, dumb blind lemmings. And the fact is the majority of Americans and people around the world are dumb blind lemmings, not you and I, because we're alphas. We're educated, we have common sense, we can debate, we can think for ourselves. But the majority of those dumb bastards out there, they don't. And so here we have the CDC saying, oh no, we have to continue the mask mandate. Americans don't want it. Americans are fed up. Americans are tired of the Democrats. They're tired of inflation. And by the way, let me give you another little factoid here. The inflation rate under Biden, he's been calling it Putinflation. Oh, it's Putin. Since Putin started the war, we've had inflation. Before Putin or any Russian laid a boot on the ground in Ukraine, the inflation rate was pushing 8%. Now it's 8.5%. Inflation was well, well on its way up under Biden the past year and a quarter. When you take a look at the price of a barrel of oil, before Putin sent any Russian troops into Ukraine, oil was 90 bucks a barrel. I just checked. I think it's 102 or $103 a barrel today. So don't give me this Putinflation bullshit. It's Bidenflation. He owns it. He's responsible. He owns the fact that millions of illegal aliens are walking across the border, the equivalent of a city of uh, the size of Dallas now. He's responsible for the inflation. He's responsible for the fact that we've got rampant crime throughout this country, and his fellow Democrats are cheering on defunding the police and cheering on cashless bail as criminals come back on and continue to commit violent crimes. You look at what took place in Afghanistan, how we got out of there, leaving billions of dollars of weapons, didn't take it out of the country. Everything Biden and the Democrats has touched have turned to shit. So you can say all you want, it's Putin's fault. No, it's the Democrat and Biden's fault. This is what they wanted. This is what they got. And this is unfortunately what we're having to live through. So when I hear that they're going to appeal, this is nothing more than control. The CDC, the Center for Democrat Control, wants to continue exhibiting control. They want this Wuhan virus to continue in perpetuity. In fact, don't be surprised if come election time we see the election variant. A new variant magically appears. But Republicans and independents, they have figured out they're not going to let the Democrats cheat again. The Democrats are masters at cheating. They're masters at fraud. But the Republicans have woken up. Trump has awakened, and the Democrats have awoken, a sleeping giant. We will not go through what we went through with the fraudulent election in 2020. Not going to happen. The Democrats tried it in Virginia. They got away with it in New Jersey because the Republican Party didn't think they could win the governor's mansion, and they were asleep. But now, every state has awoken. The Republicans nationwide have awoken and realized we have to monitor every polling location. We need hundreds of attorneys 
available across various states and various regions, ready to go with hotlines and text and email. So if you see something shady going on, it's reported. You need to have attorneys and counters, Republican witnesses at every single county election counting room. You have to assume the Democrats are going to lie, cheat, and steal. Assume it, and you'll be fine. Expect the worst. Plan for the best. Americans will no longer tolerate putting a mask back on on airplanes, buses, and trains. Take that to the bank. If that appeal should be successful from the DOJ and CDC, you will have a real insurrection in this country. I don't think the airlines will comply. I don't think people will comply. I think we will have civil disturbances in this nation, peaceful civil disturbances. That's exactly what should, took pla should take place. Enough is enough. People are fed up with this never-ending Wuhan virus. In Philadelphia, perfect example, they had two deaths in two weeks, all of a sudden masking everywhere in Philadelphia. What's that all about? Oh, it's all about control. That's it. It's not about health. Two deaths, please. All about control. It shall not stand. Let's hope the Court of Appeals rejects the appeal unanimously. That would be great. And tells the Biden DOJ and the CDC to shove it up their dem lib tuchuses. That's what I say. Now, let me talk about a very unique cigar from La Flor Dominicana. This is a, this is a very interesting interesting cigar that they are launching. One of the most, well, the most important people in a factory, in a, in a premium cigar hand-rolling factory, are the cigar rollers. You can't make premium hand-rolled cigars without rollers. That is a skill that you don't just walk in, sit at a rolling table, and in five minutes say, okay, great, I'm ready to, uh, to roll the top-of-the-line cigars. Does not happen. They need to be trained. Every cigar manufacturer at factories across the world, they have to constantly train new rollers. They have apprenticeship programs where they bring in rollers, they teach them. I remember the first trip I did down to the Dominican Republic, about 1996, 97. I visited uh, Santiago where all the cigar manufacturers were located. Most of the cigar manufacturers, uh, Altadas had their big, Consolidated had their big Tabacalera de Garcia factory in Casa de Campo, a few hours southeast. But General, Arturo Fuente, Quesada, uh, many of the other manufacturers all had their, their factories in Santiago, central part of the Dominican Republic. And I visited Hanky Kellner, Tabacos Dominicanos, made the Davidoff cigars. And Hanky had a group of people, there must have been about 20 of them, and they're rolling, and they look young and inexperienced, and there was some, some instructors I could see that were teaching them and helping them. And I said, Hanky, I said, what, what is this? He said, this is our apprenticeship, apprenticeship training area. These are 20 rollers. They're going to go through a couple of month process. And when they're ready, they're going to start rolling Davidoff cigars, but not until they're ready. And it takes a while. I think he said some people, it's like anything. Some people have the aptitude. They can do it in six weeks, others two months, others three months. But they make tons of cigars. So what do you do with those cigars? Well, some manufacturers would basically cut them up and, and send them over to their mass market divisions. Some would just sell them as seconds. 
But this is an. But they never really said that they were from trainees or apprentices. Well, La Flor Dominicana is doing something very unique. They're actually embracing the cigars that are being rolled in their rolling school. They have a rolling school within their factory, and they have a. Every year they do a new class of rollers, sometimes multiple classes. So they have decided they're going to embrace those cigars. They're not going to waste the cigars. They're going to sell the cigars, and they're going to label them as La Flor Dominicana Rolling School Bundles with a class of 2000 or 2021 designation. And the next year it will be class of 2022. Very interesting concept. So these are bundles of 20. They have three bundle offerings because they want the the apprentices, the trainees, to roll not with just one particular wrapper, but multiple wrappers. For example, if you use a Connecticut wrapper, that's much more sensitive to damage than, say, a Habano wrapper or a Sumatran. Every wrapper has a different feel. So what they are doing is they've created three bundles, all one size, a 5-inch by 42 ring gauge Corona, that uses the same filler blend, but three different wrappers. They've got a Connecticut wrapper, a Habano wrapper, and a Sumatra wrapper. Each bundle will be sold in 20 cigars with an MSRP of $4 per stick. And retailers, it comes in a nice big box that can hold six bundles. And it's really cool. It's a nice white box, has La Florida Dominicana, has rolling schools on the top of the uh, LFD logo. There's actually one of the you know, when you go to a graduation, you wear the, uh, the hat, the mortarboard hat, and it says Class of 2021 underneath. So they're actually doing something very unique. Now, how good are these cigars? Well, I'm sure they're probably decent cigars. I mean, they're not selling them as La Flor Dominicanas. And there may be some, and everyone I'm sure is draw tested, but they may not be the prettiest cigars. But for four bucks for a premium hand rolled cigar, that's a pretty good deal. They're not saying how many they're going to release, but I would say every single cigar or bundle that is released will probably most likely sell. In fact, I would say they will sell. Because for four bucks, people will say, listen, a premium hand-rolled cigar for $4, when today you're looking at an average price in the $8, $9 category, people will say, I'll give it a try. So La Flor Dominicana not telling, they're not releasing how many cigars they are selling, but it is a limited number of cigars, and they say that as they train new employees, every year they will sell subsequent versions. So I think that's a very unique cigar. Lito Gomez, I have to uh, give a snappy salute out to Lito, because that is a very unique way to take cigars that your apprentices, your trainees are rolling and selling them, and selling them at a very good price. And I'm telling you, these cigars I'm sure are draw tested. They may not be the prettiest, but for four bucks, it's worth it. Hey, listen, these are the kind of cigars you say, let me buy a bundle. Maybe they're golf course cigars while I'm fishing, while I'm hunting, while I'm just lounging around. You know, I don't want to maybe spend a ton, but hey, for four bucks, you can't go wrong. So be on the lookout. The La Flor Dominicana Rolling School bundles have been released. All right, two other items I want to get to today on this edition of the Cigar Dave Show. Number one, let's talk about Ukraine. Ukraine. Volodymyr Zelensky, the president of Ukraine. Brainless Biden, President Brainless Biden, announced on Thursday a new $800 million aid package to Ukraine that will include heavy artillery weapons, dozens of howitzers, 
and 144,000 rounds of ammo to go with the how uh, howitzers, as well as tactical drones. Now that is on top of the 800 million aid package that was approved, I think, within the last couple of weeks. Here's another aid package to Ukraine that was delivered, this time from the United States, the Treasury Department. They are providing $500 million in financial assistance to Ukraine to sustain critical government operations as it fends off the Russian invasion. So it will help pay salaries, pensions, other government programs while the war is on. $500 million. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, another dud, along with the Fed Chairman Jerome Powell, two duds in a pod, said this is just the beginning, that they'll provide more aid as necessary. Quote, we know this is only the beginning of what Ukraine will need to rebuild. Now, I'm looking, I, I went to try to find how much aid we have given to Ukraine already. I was able to find a, 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 a compilation from IFW Kiel, K-I-E-L, that includes military aid, protective equipment, you know, other aids. Does not include the aid that was just announced two days ago, the 500 million and the 800 million. But up until the end of March, the U.S., of course, leads the pack with $4.8 billion. As Bernard Sanders would say, $4.8 billion. That's with a B. Billion dollars. The billionaires. $4.8 billion to Ukraine. Estonia is second at $240 million. The U.K. at $220 million. Italy with $160 million. Sweden, $130 million. And Germany, the deadbeat Nazi bastards that they are, that don't pay their fair share in NATO, yet want all the protection that NATO offers, and is still buying Russian oil on a regular basis, as are many of these European countries, and they're buying it in rubles. They are not stopping, ceasing delivery of Russian oil, so they're funding the Russian military invasion. Germany, all of $130 million in military aid weapons value. So the United States isn't even in the, isn't on the European continent. We're not even near the theater of operations where Russia and Ukraine are duking it out. We spend through the end of March $4.8 billion, and you've got Germany, which is right next door, a wealthy country, coming up with a grand total of $130 million. We're paying the freight once again. President Trump was right on the money. We pay all the bills. All these other countries are deadbeats. Now, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to criticize Poland, even though Poland has only come up with 60 million. And the reason I won't is because they have taken in millions of refugees. And they are doing their fair share by housing them, feeding them, providing phones, uh, housing. Poland is doing its fair share. I would venture to say Poland is looking at least at a couple of billion in humanitarian assistance by welcoming all these Ukrainian refugees. So I'm not going to criticize Poland. But, but Germany, you're damn right I'm going to criticize. We are paying the freight once again.
Now, if you add in the $500 million in financial assistance to keep the, the Ukraine government running, paying salaries, and so on, and the $800 million that brainless Biden just announced two days ago, that comes to, let me see here. We said it was $4.8 billion, 4.8 plus 0.5 plus 0.8. We've got a grand total of $6.1 billion that we have written. Money we don't have, money that's being printed, money that's being added to the deficit, because once again, we have to come to the aid of a country that has been steeped in all sorts of fraud and all sorts of nonsense, hanky-panky, and all sorts of bullshit over the last five, seven years. It goes back actually longer than that, the Obama administration. Burisma, all the fraud, all the, the criminal activity that's taken place. You look at Biden's son. There's a reason Biden is coming to the rescue of Ukraine to the tune of $6 billion. Because he doesn't want the cat out of the bag that his son, and he by extension, profited big time. And there was all sorts of fraud that went on. Remember when Biden said, you know, I went over to see them and they were launching this investigation. I told them, hey, you want your billion dollars? Then you got to end this. And you got until the end of the day when I get back on the plane. And he said, uh, the, the, whoever Ukrainian officials said, well, you don't have the authorization. He said, yeah, call Obama. I sure as hell do. He said, well, what do you know? Son of a bitch. A few hours later, magically, everything was great and they got their billion. But yet, Trump is impeached over a call to Zelensky saying, hey, look, you should look at this. There's fraud here. There was no quid pro quo. Trump didn't withhold anything. In fact, Trump authorized all sorts of aid to Ukraine. But this is very interesting. Everybody's hailing Zelensky as this big hero. Now, Zelensky has certainly led his country. He's been Churchillian, if you will. But Zelensky, if he really wanted to help his country, he should have listened to advice from President Donald Trump back in September of 2019 when they both met in New York during a United Nations General Assembly meeting. It was President Trump and Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky who had recently been elected. Maybe, I can't remember how many months, but it was a significant number of months. They were uh, talking and the president was commenting and answering questions while they were sitting next to each other. Now, I want you to take a listen to what President Trump had to say to Zelensky, some words of wisdom that clearly Zelensky did not heed in any way, shape, or form. Take a listen. I hope that you and President Putin get together and can solve your problem. That would be a tremendous achievement. And I know you're trying to do that. Uh-huh. I hope that you and President Putin can get together and solve your problem. That would be a tremendous achievement. And I know you're trying to do that. And as President Trump was saying that, Zelensky was slumped in his chair, rolling his eyes, looking away from the president, thinking to himself, Screw you. We'll do what we want. Zelensky should have listened to Trump. Now, I'm not saying that Putin is a saint. He's not. He's a rat bastard, brutal dictator thug. I'm not condoning Putin's invasion. He should not have invaded. But Zelensky would have been very wise to listen to President Trump instead of rolling his eyes, looking disinterested, slumping in his seat. In fact, Zelensky should have said, President Trump, will you help us? Will you help us negotiate 
like you did with the Abraham Accords. Act as a moderator, as a mediator. And I'm sure Trump would have said, fine, of course. We would have heard the Democrats scream, Russia, 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 once again. And now we know that it's a hoax, hoax, hoax. And there are going to be people going to jail, jail, jail in orange jumpsuit, jumpsuit, jumpsuits. It's coming. Durham is on the attack. I don't know if you saw this, but five Hillary Clinton insiders all took the fifth. Why is that? They didn't want to squeal because they knew that by testifying, if they lied, they're screwed. If they testify, they're screwed. They didn't want to say a word. That's their constitutional right, no problem. But whenever a Republican does that, oh, they're lying, they must be guilty. But when a Democrat does that, oh, they're just executing their constitutional right. Now, when you th- I want to play this one more time, what President Trump had to say to Zelensky, September 2019, words of wisdom that Zelensky refused to pay attention to. I hope that you and President Putin get together and can solve your problem. That would be a tremendous achievement. And I know you're trying to do that. President Trump was right again. No surprise. Everything he said, he's been correct on. He told Angela Merkel, the uh, fat Nazi bastard uh, chancellor of Germany, he said to her, Angela. You may as well get a white surrender flag to Russia because by buying this, all this oil and building the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, you're going to be dependent on Russia. Meanwhile, you don't pay your fair share to NATO, and you want NATO to protect you. But yet, you're buying all this oil and dependent, totally dependent on Russian oil. She didn't pay attention either. Trump was right there. Everything Trump has stated, he's correct on. And he was right with his advice to Zelensky. And how brutal does it look today when we look at the war going on, how brutal it looks from today's vantage point where Zelensky could have negotiated with Russia and should have negotiated. What was Russia, what was Putin's problem? Well, number one, the biggest problem, he didn't want Ukraine joining NATO. He didn't want missiles in his backyard. I don't blame him. We didn't want missiles in Cuba in our backyard. So he didn't want Ukraine to join NATO. Now, there could have been an easy solution whereby the NATO countries say, look, no problem. There will be, they won't join NATO. But if Russia attacks, then we will have a provision for that. But they will not be a member of NATO. There is a part of Ukraine that the Russians wanted probably should have negotiated. In fact, it's an area where, I believe it's the Crimea area, where basically all the Ukrainians speak Russian and identify more with Russia than Ukraine. Zelensky didn't want to do that. Zelensky didn't want to pay attention to President Trump, wanted to slump in his chair and roll his eyes. Isn't it amazing how hindsight is 2020? Two and a half years ago, President Trump didn't hide, didn't, didn't mince his words. He stated right in front of Zelensky and the entire press corps and the entire world, I hope that you and President Putin can get together and solve your problem. That would be a tremendous achievement. Did he solve the problem? Did Zelensky even listen to Trump? Rolled his eyes, slumped in his chair. I hate to say Zelensky got what he deserved because the people of Ukraine didn't get what they deserved. They didn't get that from a leader two and a half years ago with Zelensky. And they certainly didn't deserve to be 
bombed and shelled by that rat bastard Putin and to have to pick up and leave their home country, leave their possessions, leave their family, essentially leaving with like one suitcase. I don't wish that on anyone. Think about us. If that would happen here, how we would be displaced. Didn't have to happen. Hindsight is 2020, but President Trump said it right there, September 2019. Solve your problem with Russia. Zelensky didn't do it. Now he's being hailed as a hero because they are fighting Russia. And yes, he is Churchillian and they are fighting Russia. And the United States writing the check once again. A check we did not need to write. Let Europe step up for a damn change. Hey, if Ukraine's invaded and bombed and nuked to smithereens, doesn't affect us. We're here in the United States. We got a giant ocean separating us. But it sure as hell affects the rest of the European Union and the European countries. I don't see France stepping up. I don't see Germany stepping up. I don't see Holland stepping up. I don't see the UK stepping up in big numbers. I don't see Ireland stepping up. I don't see Belgium stepping up. But yet, it's the United States once again saving the Europeans' ass. And now you have Finland and Sweden that are all running like little girl bitches, saying, please, we need to join NATO immediately. We're afraid of Putin. So it's simple. You want to join NATO? No, you can't contribute 2%. You want to join now? It's 4%. And by the way, if you ever go below that, you're out. Start getting tough. But once again, the United States of America, we are the patsies. President Trump right again telling Zelensky, get together with Putin, solve the problem, negotiate. They didn't. That's number one. Number two, President Trump, America first. Enough getting into all these endless wars. Now, we may not have troops on the ground, but now we've got $6 billion that are essentially have to be printed and for the United States to go into debt to be able to assist Ukraine with keeping their government open, giving them more arms. Who's paying the freight? We are. Enough's enough. I'm sorry. Let Europe step up for a change. Once again, with the exception of Poland, Poland pays their fair share in NATO dues, 2% of their GDP. They have paid it, and they've also taken in millions of Ukrainian refugees. And yet, all the other European countries barely write a check, barely lift a finger. Screw them. If Putin invades France, I don't give a shit. If Putin invades Germany, great. No problem. Nuke Germany off the map. They're still Nazi bastards. I'm fine with it. That's Europe's problem. We're not going to come save them again. I see this, and it, I'm exasperated. Have we not learned our lesson? We had to bail the, the Europeans out in World War I. We had to bail them out in World War II. And now here we go. We've got to bail them out again. It's time for Europe to stand up on their own two feet. They're making plenty of money in these countries, in Germany, in France, in Britain. Let them pay their fair share. Step up. But again, Biden rolls over. Instead of being strong, instead of telling President Zelensky and all the European countries, you guys need to buck up. We'll contribute, but we're not going to be the lead contributor. You guys need to, to buck up. Doesn't happen. President Trump will win in 2024 
and he'll win big again on America First because people are fed up with American taxpayers footing the bill for all these other countries, European countries, that never pay their fair share, that never step up to the plate, but criticize America on a regular basis, yet when the shit hits the fan, they cry like little babies begging the United States of America to save their lame asses. And we're seeing it again today. Enough's enough. Stop writing the checks. It's time for Europe to buck up. And if they don't, and Europe, Ukraine goes, I'm sorry. Hate to be cruel and hate to be cut and dry. But the European countries know damn well that if your Ukraine goes, there's nothing stopping Putin. And you can tell me all you want. You got NATO. Okay, that's fine. Won't stop Putin from going in. Maybe a deterrent, but that necessarily wouldn't stop him. And they're all shivering in their boots knowing they could be the next to be attacked. Well, if you're so scared, then start writing checks. You're not a partner until you write checks and you contribute to the cause. Europe is not a partner to the United States. And the majority of countries in NATO, they're not NATO partners because they are deadbeats and they are not paying their required contractually agreed upon share. Finally, on today's edition of the Cigar Dave Show, Think about what companies have changed how we live our lives. Let me give you just a couple examples. Think about Amazon. I never, rarely, with the exception of L.L. Bean, I never did mail order. I would always go to the store, but I didn't do mail order. I didn't go online to order very many things. And then Amazon comes around. Initially, you order books, and I started using them because I went to my local Barnes & Noble or the Books A Million, and... They didn't have what I was looking for. And you go online, this is going back now, geez, 25 plus years, and the Amazon magically had every book, and you get it, you know, three days later. Now think of Amazon. We go on and you get deliveries sometimes within hours. You get food deliveries within hours. You get, uh, I ordered something a few days ago. I ordered it like 10 at night. And they said, great, this qualifies for early shipping. Would you like it between 4 a.m. and 8 a.m. or 8 a.m. and 11 a.m.? Amazon has changed our lives. Apple has changed our lives. Now, I've had a Mac for many years. I had an Apple IIc going back to college. But Apple, with the introduction of the iPhone, changed how we communicate forever. The iPad changed how we communicate, changed how we work, changed how we read forever. And there's another company that has changed how businesses operate and how we operate, and that is FedEx. Initially launched by Frederick W. Smith, May 5, 1971, in Little Rock, Arkansas. Originally known as Federal Express, changed their name to FedEx. Revolutionized the world. Think of how many times you need to get something to somebody the next day. Important documents, or a gift, or a card, or a package. It's got to get there in a day or two days. Before, you'd send it UPS. It could take three, four, five, six, seven days. Federal Express, boom, the next day. Lawyers, accountants, businesses, documents changed everything. You put it in a little envelope, FedEx, when it absolutely positively has to be there the very next day. I remember that phrase. Well, Fred Smith, who founded FedEx, interesting story. He announced he's been the CEO for 51 years. Since the company's founding, May 5th, 1971, he will step down on June 1st. 
after serving 51 years as CEO. Absolutely amazing. Interesting story about Fred Smith, the founding of FedEx, that I want to relate. Because I find that when you see people who risk it all, entrepreneurs that have changed the world, whether you like them or dislike them, you have to pay credit. You have to admire them. Because it doesn't, it's not an easy rise to the top. It's not just, okay, we're going to launch FedEx, and hey, we're going to be this big global powerhouse in, in shipping and logistics. It doesn't happen like that. A lot, of tr a lot of trials and tribulations, a lot of ups and downs. But let me tell you about Fred Smith, a little background, and then about FedEx. Because it is an amazing story. He went to elementary school in Memphis, became an amateur pilot or a private pilot as a teen. He entered Yale University in 1962. He wrote a paper for an economics class while at Yale outlining an overnight delivery service idea that he had talking about we would use planes, he would use planes coming into one main hub and then going out to various cities. So every plane would come, would leave, go to the hub, and then the packages would be dispersed, go on other planes and go out. Nobody heard of that idea back in 1962. Nobody. Even his professor who gave him a C on the paper. I guarantee you that the professor, if he were alive today, would say, boy, did I screw that one up. But after graduation from Yale, Fred Smith commissioned in the U.S. Marine Corps. He served for three years from 1966 to 1969 as a platoon leader, forward air controller, flying in the backseat of an OV-10. He served two tours of duty in Vietnam. He was honorably discharged in 1969 with the rank of captain. He received the Silver Star, the Bronze Star, and two Purple Hearts. On June 18, 1971, Smith founded Federal Express with a $4 million inheritance, the equivalent of about probably $30 million today. His family was in the restaurant business. His father owned numerous restaurants throughout the, the, the Mid-South. And so with his $4 million inheritance, he starts FedEx. He raised $91 million, which is probably about $625, $650 million today in venture capital money. And in 1973, Federal Express began service to 25 cities, delivering small packages and documents with a fleet of 14 Falcon 20 jets. Small jets, not like the big MD-11s and A300s and, and uh, 767s they fly today. His focus was on developing an integrated air ground system. He developed FedEx on the business idea of a shipment version of a bank clearinghouse, where one bank clearinghouse was located in the middle of all the other banks, and all the representative banks would send their checks to a central lo location to be processed. So in, he created this Memphis hub, and initially he had, what, uh, uh, 20 different cities, or 14, 14 cities, or 25 cities with 14 planes, that essentially would all feed into Memphis and then feed back out. But in the early days, you have a lot of cash in any new company, any new venture. He had to go to tremendous lengths to keep the company afloat. There's a great story, true story. In one instance, after a very crucial business loan was denied, he took the company's last $5,000 to Vegas, went to play blackjack, 
again, a crazy story. Takes the 5000 turns it into $27,000. Flies back to FedEx headquarters, Federal Express headquarters in Memphis. He had enough money to cover the company's $24,000 fuel bill by gambling one night, starting with five grand. It kept FedEx alive for one more week. And as they say, the rest is history. Interesting. He was a fraternity brother of George W. Bush while at Yale. And after Bush won the uh, presidential election in 2000, Smith was asked to be the defense secretary. That was the first choice for uh, Bush for the position, but Smith declined for medical reasons, and it went to Donald Rumsfeld. Smith has 10 children, including a very famous child, Arthur Smith, who is the Atlanta Falcons head coach. Now let's look at FedEx. The name was used, Federal Express, from 1973 until the year 2000. When you think about FedEx today, you think of all the fact that you can send something overnight. You put it in an envelope, boom, it gets there the next morning by 10.30 or by 12. They also have FedEx ground. They've grown incredibly. This is wild. They now have gone, when you look at the number of employees, they have gone just from 2005. They had 138,000 employees. In 2021, they have over 250,000 employees, over a quarter million employees, Six, over $72 billion in revenue, just absolutely uh, incredible. In 2004, they acquired Kinko's. And I remember saying, Kinko's? The place you go make copies in the middle of the night? What, what's with that? Well, they rebranded it FedEx Kinko's and then FedEx Office. And they created a network, and now a nationwide network of shipping locations. Whereas before, you'd have to go to the box and drop something off, or you needed materials, you'd have to go to the main, the main location. They brilliantly said, we've got this business that's a great, vibrant business, but more so, we can create thousands of retail locations where customers, we can package their, their, uh, their shipments, we can send them out, we can weigh them, we can have a central, you know, we can have very, uh, offices across the country very close to where people reside and work. Brilliant. And at the time, I'm saying, what the hell do they want Kikos for? Well, there you go. You got to have foresight. So they also have created, uh, have acquired other companies in 2004, Parcel Direct, a parcel consolidator that is now called FedEx SmartPost. I've received packages from overseas where you order something and it comes from other countries and it's FedEx SmartPost. That's a company they bought. So it is amazing to me how they have just grown and grown and grown into a behemoth. I mean, you're talking about assets of well over $100 billion. I mean, their net income, actually, I've got the updated 2021 revenue. The updated 2021, 83.9, we'll call it 84 billion. Six billion in operating income. 2,000 FedEx locations worldwide. I don't think that includes the, the uh, FedEx office, which used to be Kinko's. But absolutely an amazing story. And today, we take FedEx for granted. What do we tell people? Oh, you got to get it there? FedEx it. FedEx it. What do we say? Google it. Go search something. Google it. FedEx it. Send it to FedEx. You got a package, got to be there? Don't worry. FedEx it. It really is incredible how Fred Smith, with his concept, starting with, what, 14 small Falcon 20 jets, 
25 cities in 1975, how he transformed not only the country, but the world in how it ships and worldwide logistics. I mean, you see FedEx planes departing your local airports every day. Go to Memphis. Watch how that hub works. It is unbelievable. By the way, that is the largest, I think that is the most active airport now, I want to say, uh, in the world. It's certainly in terms of cargo, but Sergeant Steve, you lived in Memphis where FedEx is headquartered, and I've been to Memphis, and I have mm-hmm. watched overnight staying near the airport. The FedEx planes coming in and out, it's incredible. Being a resident of Memphis, big corporate citizen, but you must have seen all those planes coming in on a daily basis, on a nightly basis. It's funny if you watch on any of the web, like Flight Aware, any of those websites, the Memphis airport. And like in the morning, you'll see all these passenger jets in and out. And then it stops. And then it's FedEx jets in and out for about a two-hour window. And then it's, it, that stops. And then it goes back to pa- commercial jets or passenger jets again. And then overnight, of course, there's a ton of that going in and out. But, yeah, I, I, and I know cargo-wise, it was at least a few years ago, it was the busiest airport in the world, no question. Well, it really is amazing. When you think of one man created mm-hmm. this giant company, now he had help along the way, but his idea having to wager five grand at the blackjack table to pay the fuel bill because he had a 24 grand fuel bill wins 27,000. Absolutely amazing. So Fred Smith is retiring as the CEO still, uh, I think he'll remain the chairman, but, uh, He's, I think, let's see, if I'm not mistaken, he's probably now, I would say he's probably 78, 79, somewhere along that area. But just an absolutely incredible entrepreneur, um, philanthropist, businessman, and you got to tip your hat. A long-ash snappy salute to Fred Smith. What an incredible story. Served our country. He's a, war, he's a, a, a veteran, active duty. Have to salute him for that. Have to salute him certainly for creating FedEx. And think of all the livelihoods that he has created. Over a quarter million people work for FedEx. Quarter million people on the payroll. Absolutely incredible. So to Fred Smith and FedEx, incredible career. You only see that in America. You don't see that anywhere else. That is a truly American entrepreneurial success story. When you think of Apple, you think of Amazon, you think of FedEx, you think of Google, you think of all these companies founded in America. That wouldn't happen anywhere else. And they become worldwide behemoths. So Fred Smith, congratulations on a great career, great story. I'm a big FedEx fan. When it absolutely positively has to be there the very next day, you got to send it FedEx. All right, hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Cigar Dave Show. As always, don't forget, if you're interested in the Cigar Dave Officers Club, go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club. It's $22.95 for May, then it goes up to $25.95 starting June 1st for the June selection. So if you want to join, you got to join by the end of April for the May selection. Cigar Dave the General saying, Mayor Humidor always be full. Mayor Cutter always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long, Semper Delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Screw the CDC. Screw the Biden regime. Screw Putin. And screw any and all mask mandates. Free at last. Free at last. Thank the Lord. We need to be free at last. Live it up.